This is the Fade You Podcast, episode 40, March 27th, 2021. Hello to all the dads out there and moms. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Matthew James. Make sure you are following us on Twitter at Fade You Sports. And when you listen to this, please be sure to hit that subscribe button. Help us out. So I am here on this show. We're going to pivot a little bit. Kmart's here with me, but not to talk about the system, not to talk about the Sweet 16. Kmart, good morning. Good morning. We've also got, for the first time on our pod, we've got the bucket boy. Neil's here. Neil, how you doing, man? Doing well this morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So we wanted to have Neil on. Neil is a big uh, win totals guy. And with MLB opening day a week away, we wanted to dedicate one show to just talking about our favorite win totals. And Neil's going to give some some dynamite information for you guys. Uh, Kelly in Vegas is still mad at us. So we uh, we jettisoned Chris from this particular show and he may or may not return. So we'll see. Chris is probably still drunk from last night doing whatever he did. But today we are talking about baseball. But Neil, first, you got to tell the story just briefly of how how you guys became the Bucket Boys. Sure. Great story. So we uh, all spent the weekend in Vegas last weekend. Thank you, boys, for the invite. Um, missed the tournament the last year. Um, was very sad about it, but I think we made more than made up for it this year. Um, so, yeah, we were at um, the the private room at Westgate, um, Kelly got, you know, got us a space and I thank you for the invite and, you know, we closed the place down. So me and my boys, um, Alex and Nick, we were there till late watching the Oklahoma state, Oregon state game. And we are hanging out. Kelly had left uh, the book. They, um, you know, she had not had the best of days. So they went to go get a steak. Um, and you know, we were there. It was just the three of us left. We're hanging out, uh, waiting to the last game to end. And the waitress comes up and she's like, guys, I don't know if Kelly told you, but, you know, you've got $400 that you left to spend. It's already been paid for. You know, you need to figure it out. And Alex and Nick were already sloshed. They were done. I had a five-hour drive to San Diego ahead of me. Um, so I wasn't drinking. We were full. We had just been eating fries and nachos all day long. Like, there was nothing left. There None of us were consuming anything else. Um, so we were like, can we take stuff to go? And she's like, yeah, I guess. Why not? So we're like, what can we take? And she's like, well, you got 400. So she's like, I can get you a bottle and I can get you just buckets of beer to take home. Like you can only take seltzers because otherwise they got to open it at the bar, but they won't open seltzers for you. So we're like, bring it on. So we ended up with bring, walking out of, uh, of Westgate with uh two buckets in hand for each of us filled with seltzers and a bottle of Patron which is in my fridge still uh waiting to crack that open and um Dave Sherapan was there I think he he was there earlier on the day and then he had left his jacket so he uh, you know he ended up coming back to grab his jacket and you know we had a night it was good to meet him and uh, had a you know nice long conversation uh with him big fan and uh yeah he he Loved the story. Thought it was classic that we're just here. You know, we're walking out of the Westgate, two buckets and a bottle of Patron in hand, um, leaving Vegas. So we left Vegas with some nice partying gifts. Uh, Dave snapped a picture of the three of us walking out of the book uh, with our buckets um, and and dubbed us the Bucket Boys. So it was it was, it was a, the perfect end to a really good trip. So absolutely legendary. I mean, Kyle, that's 
Every DeGen's dream. Dude, Boys, it, you have $400 of free shit that you can still rack up. And see, that Absolutely, was my right? fear. That was my huh? fear. That's why I flew. But I, but I regret it because I missed out on this amazing experience. Like, oh, totally agree. Yeah, and that's the, and that's the thing. Like with Vegas and flying, when you know, when you're in Southern California, it's like, do you fly or drive? Um, flying is much more convenient. Trust me. Four a.m. You know, driving through Temecula, I was, it was rough, and I was, you know, questioning my life's decisions. <laughs> but, you know, driving gives you the ability because the great thing about Vegas is you never know what's going to happen in Vegas. So you have that, you know, perfect amount of flexibility versus. Oh, I got to leave for a flight. So it was a great trip. So awesome. Yeah. And I agree with Kyle. I, I had to leave even earlier than Kyle did. So I missed and everything that happened after. And I missed a lot of, there were a lot of L's in that clubhouse um, outside of our little group. So we'll just there were, there were one or two L's. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Angles. <laughs> yeah, seriously. All right, Neil, how long have you been betting win totals? In very, I mean, I know you do it in football, but in baseball so too. In, so I do it in football and I do it in baseball. Um, it, it's got to be at least the past 10 years. Um, win totals for me are my favorite bet as, you know, you know, going back, if you think 10 years ago where, you know, the online betting game wasn't as prevalent, you know, this was a way to put action down. So you had action for an entire season um, based off of, you know, one trip out to Vegas. So that was the nice thing always about win totals um, for me. And I, and you know, nothing about win totals, it takes away a lot of the individual variance on a game to game basis, you know, especially in baseball. Um, you know, I, Kyle knows this. I don't know how many times Kyle and I have been together and like the one game we're going to watch, you know, and lay minus 270 with Clayton Kernshaw on the Dodgers. And that's the game he gives up four runs in the first inning, gets pulled after, you know, two and a third. And they and have, you know they end up losing and Clint, and Kershaw will go you know twenty one and four for the season, um, so you you get rid of a lot of that variance and it gets you to just look at you know the core of a team spread out over a whole season um, and sort of you know where they're going to look from from start to finish. Um, you know, there's a lot of dynamics this year with you know going back to a 162 game season after only playing a 60 game season. You know, a lot of guys sat out last year. Um, you know, it's going to be a bit of a unique year in that regard. Um, so, and I think one of the things to kick off with that is, you know, I think everyone who, who bets knows to go around and shop lines and check different books and see, you know, where these win totals are. Um, another thing you want to look at this year that I saw a lot of variability is, is what it takes for your ticket to cash. So for instance, uh, one of the books has, you have to play 156 games for action at all. So you could cash in over, but you only play 155 games for some reason. Tickets gets washed. It's, ref it's refunded. Um, I had another book that says you had to play 158 games, but if you cash your over, it would pay you your, your over. Um, so just check to make sure I would look at if you're betting overs, I would look for a, a book that's going to pay you even if you don't hit that because the worst thing is hitting it over and then getting it refunded because, you know, you played two games less than you were supposed to. Um, so take a look at the fine print, especially in a year coming off COVID, um, especially in a year. And I, you know, guys, I sort of pose the question to you as far as, you know, your bankroll is you're going to have a lot of, you know, of variance this year, potentially, right. If a team, you know, team comes down with COVID and has to take breaks, 
throughout the season. Um, you know, you're going to end up playing a lot of double headers towards the back end. Um, you know, I, it kind of is in line with, I think, you know, I'm posing to you guys in kind of the line of like betting, like an, uh, uh, baseball MVP, right? You're really reliant on one guy, you know, and that guy, if that, if Mike Trout, right, gets hurt and's on the DL for four weeks, like your ticket's pretty much done. So, you know, what do you guys think about, like, just as far as your bankroll of what you're putting on this um, in general, giving like this year's going to have a lot of variability potentially? I mean, it'd be great if we had as very, like, as little COVID interruptions or effects on the season as possible but if the last year has taught us anything that's just probably not going to be the reality you look at what hap- what's happening in other sports and uh, the NHL definitely had their issues early in the season the NBA did as well they've kind of got that under control but yeah I think to your point I think you'd be naive to think that there's not going to be some sort of COVID issues throughout a long season where there's going to be a lot of travel Kyle what do you think I was going to say but I would say the MLB probably did it the best out of any major sports, minus the Phillies and Marlins in the first couple yeah. of weeks last season. Right, right. They didn't have any issues until Justin Turner, Turner in game six. And then yeah. there's that right. whole thing. But it was great. They had no positive tests. They were still flying. They did their version of the bubble for, you know, the series and, you know, the, comp- or the uh, championship rounds, which was smart, kind of what the NCAA is doing now. But – they figured it out. I, I actually think it's, I mean, they've given me hope to where we're just going to be able to get through. I'm sure there'll be, you know, a couple outbreaks, <clears throat> but I think for the most part, I mean, from what they showed, what they can do last year, I guess that's why they hired a businessman that everybody hates, but you know, they should, uh, I, I think, you know, we'll be playing 160 games at the bare minimum. Yeah. It used to be that no one got more shit than Goodell, but I think Manfred is, kind of taking that mantle is oh, everyone's yeah. <laughs> the commissioner everyone hates the most Jeez, yeah probably yes uh kyle you I mean you've known neil for a long time and you you've seen him you've seen the the machinations and the the method of the the scientist at work i mean how does this guy do it with these wind totals i mean it's just it, it really is kind of beautiful to watch dude so i <clears throat> i've known neil for like 13 years and he's been he's been doing these totals. I mean, I feel like since I've known him, so he's pretty accurate on that 10 years. I was going to interject and say maybe more like 12 because I just remember him always doing it. Every time we go to Vegas, he's always cashing out at the Bellagio. Yeah, every time, every I mean, fucking that, time. There's it's like the season went totals, <laughs> idiot. I'm just like, oh my God, every year this guy just cashes on these totals. And he just shits out winning win total tickets. I've actually never done it up until last year. And I cashed on the Dodgers and the Marlins. And that was kind of like the biggest high for me because I was just like, wow, this is fun. I feel like Neil. But <laughs> I, I I mean, I, I see what he was saying, you know, where, you know, back in the day is just like have an action all season. I can actually remember him telling me that when I was asking him, why do you do this? Like, it's not, it's not as fun. He's like, well, if you got the under and teams are struggling, you got this over teams are playing well. I mean, they're just different variations of why you can cheer, or, you know, root positively or negatively on a, on a different team. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we wanted to bring him on here because he's got the knowledge. I mean, I'm not going to try to try to bullshit people and think that, you know, I know everything about totals because there's a lot that goes into it. 
Um, you know, I was asking Neil yesterday on a couple of his picks that we'll go over today. Um, and, you know, just it's kind of like me in basketball. He just he loves baseball. And um, that's I think it's that passion. And if you're have those analytics, I mean, we're both business majors. So, I mean, if you just kind of like numbers and looking and analyzing, um, put that in the sports and you can find an edge on anything. Absolutely. All right, let's get into it. We're going to go division by division. Uh, we'll start with the NL. And Neil, your take on the NL East this year. A lot of offseason moves, but who do you have your eye on? And who a lot are you of fading? For the, for the NL East. Um, Vegas has them as the, the high as a division, has the highest win total um, from top to bottom. I, it's just extremely strong, and most teams just got stronger. I mean, one of the things you think about, okay, the Miami Marlins, what are you doing as a franchise? But remember – Marlins made the playoffs and they were the second best team in the NL East. So certainly I think, you know, last season is, was just a sort of a sprint to 60. Um, and obviously what you know, Kyle alluded to Marlins had a really weird year with COVID and everything last year. Um, but you have the Marlins as the second best team, you know, they've dropped back to their, are, they're now projected as, you know, the worst team in the division at 73, 73 and a half wins. Um, but you can see sort of the strength and what they had. Um, uh, what we're going to do is I'll give a team that I like for the over a team that I like for the under um, from each, the division, from each division. I think for the NL East, the over team that I, that I was looking at um, is going to be the Washington nationals this year, right? They get Strasburg back who I think pitched only a one game. So when you have a, a line or a rotation, that's going to have Strasburg, Serger, Corbin, you know, they added John Lester um, who, you know, was at the tail end of his career, but certainly can be an, in an inning eater. They added Brand Hand to the bullpen um, to sol- help solidify that. Um, offensively, you know, it all centers around Juan Soto and Trey Turner, two of the best young guys in baseball. Uh, we've seen Juan Soto carry a team to the World Series already two years ago when he beat um, the Houston Astros. So uh, that's a team I know, you know, people are going to talk about the Braves, who I, that would be my honorable mention for an over, as there's really not a weakness there. Um, but Washington at 84, 84 and a half wins, you know, you're talking about the team who's probably compete with the Mets to be the second best team in that division. Um, certainly, I think they're right on the cusp. They, Ryan Zimmerman's coming back. He took he opted out last season. They added, you know, Josh Bell from Pittsburgh. So they added some some guys to, you know, this season that are kind of kind of be in that mix. Um you know, one of the other things when you look at interleague play, and this is one of the things I think is more prevalent when you're doing NFL season win totals, where you look at who are you playing, right? What's your out-of-conference schedule look like? Um, people don't do it. I don't hear about it as much when you're talking about baseball. Um, but it is important. You're going to play, you know, 20 games against an interleague squad. You're going to play six games this year because you're playing um, your own division on the opposite uh, conference inside so your nl east is going to play the al east which is tough for an NL, nl east team this year because the al east is the second best division in all of baseball i mean from top to bottom um outside of baltimore you don't have a poor team in in the al uh one of the nice things about washington then is they get six games uh, against baltimore is that's your you know that's their offsetting team in in the other division so you get to play the orioles for six games Whereas, you know, you look at a team like the Mets who have to play the Yankees for six, 
you know, that's not ideal. Um, and, you know, when you really get down to the finite where one or two games are going to come from, you need to look and take a look at, you know, what that interleague play looks like, who you're paired up and who you're, you know, in your in your subdivision. So uh, Washington would be my overplay if you can find him at 84. Um, I like the Washington Nationals, you know, for a bounce back. Um, my under, not a, not, a, not a huge like for me, but um, I, I struggle with what Philadelphia is going to do this year. Um, you know, this team that really didn't do much in the offseason to, to, you know, solidify some of the gaps that they had for their team. Um, they're really just kind of relying on a lot of bounce back uh, years from some guys who, you know, I think are probably just going to be mediocre at best. Um, you know, they've got Eflin and they got some guys, that, you know, at the front end of the rotation who I think, you know, they have a, a decently high ceiling. Um I just, it's going to take a lot for them to get there. And it's an, it, you're talking about a 500 team um, who is the fourth best team in your own division. Um, I think that's a bit of a struggle, you know, for any, for any division in baseball, right. To have your fourth best team in your division, who's going to be over 500 um, because again, there's, they're going to be playing every game in the division um, in a division of strength. So, and I, I think pretty much in almost in every aspect, you know, they're going to be behind at least every team except for the Marlins. So that would be my lean. Not, it's not a huge favorite of mine, but lean under for Philadelphia over for Washington um, in the NL East. So it's kind of like <clears throat> there's so much strength in the division. Somebody has to finish fourth and somebody is going to lose games to these other teams. So it's almost like you're saying that the teams near the top, there's a bigger gap between, Philadelphia and and those teams at the top that they may, you know, finish. I don't know. What do you think? 75 wins, 76, something like that. And and not quite. Yeah. And not quite be right. You know, not quite be right there. And I think there's a lot more that could, you know, that could regress um, with this team um, versus, you know, versus helping it out. Right. One kind of bonus question for the NL East, you know, Obviously, the Dodgers are the heavy favorite to, to win the World Series and repeat, but people are trying to find another team where there might be some value. And I hear the Atlanta Braves talked about a lot that maybe if the Dodgers kind of take a step back or suffer some injuries, you know, the Braves, I think, have won the division two straight years. Do you see any value on a future on the Braves at 10 to 1-ish? I mean, to, to me, the Braves are – I think by far the set, you know, or I would say they're right in there with the Padres as the second best team um, in the NL. Um, starting pitching is is young and getting better. The offense is is very good. They re-signed Marcelo Zuna, which I think was a big key for them. Um, you know, having guys like Acuna, who's you know, super young, Swanson's very young. Um, you know, and the, the whole the whole team, you know, being anchored by a guy like Freddie Freeman, a real high character guy, MVP caliber uh, name. Um, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think I gave him a shout out. That would be my honorable mention for an over. Um, it's tough to do that with Atlanta. It's a high, it's a higher number. And again, in a challenging, you know, tough division um, when you got to, you know, you got to play the Mets, you got to play uh, the nationals. You got to go through the AL East and you're, you know, in your interleague play. Um, certainly I think though, Atlanta, you know, to win the division, to challenge, they're going to be right there with the Dodgers and Padres. Um, they're, they are stacked, you know, from top to bottom. 
Um, it's, it's just a really good organization that they have. So I, I would, I would agree. And I think, yeah, you know, a 10 to one to come out of the NL, um, you know, you get them in because then that, you know, the great thing you get them into, you know, the NLCS with the Dodgers, you can hedge that out very nicely. Um, Definitely. You know, yeah. And they, absolutely, you know, have a chance to get there. Definitely. All right. NL central. Uh, I think, you know, from what I've heard, a lot of people say this will be one of the weaker divisions uh, and the team that will probably get thumped pretty handily in the postseason by one of those two juggernauts from the NL West or from uh, a superior NL East team. But what are your thoughts on your over team in the NL central and your under team? So, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, uh, as far as the division from top to bottom, it is the lowest win total projection um, in a division for, for all the baseball. Um, there's not a clear cut dominant team in here. There is no one in this that's going to, you know, be hands down that you can look at on paper to say, Oh no, this team, this team's got it. And you know, everyone else is catching them. Uh, you have a lot of teams that are kind of bunched in that, you know, right around 500 or slightly over my, my over team then because of all that is going to be the St. Louis Cardinals and taking the Cardinals over 86. I think just you add, you add Arenado onto that team, uh, a team that before Arenado had the highest run saved of any team in baseball last season. Um, and you add then a, the best third baseman defensively in all of baseball. Um, you add, pair him up with Goldschmidt and you have the best one, two combo of anyone in that division. Um, and pitching, you know, you Cardinals are one of those weird teams that you just sort of, you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they've got the young arms that are going to figure it out. And, you know, you're going to get guys like Carlos Martinez back. You know, he only pitched five games last year and it was awful, but you're talking about a guy who was, you know, had an ERA in the threes the past five seasons before that, you know, Wainwright's coming back, um, which is nice to just sort of help anchor. Everyone is very high on Jack Flaherty. I think he, you know, has the potential to, to have a bounce back season. And then, I mean, you just know every guy that's going to come out of their bullpen is going to throw 98 miles per hour. Right. I mean, that's just the default of what we all know about the Cardinals. Um, and it's the over there is really more of a play of how bad the rest of the division is versus how good the Cardinals are. Um, and cause you pair that up and again, go back into the interleague play piece, they get to play the AL central, which is not a very, it's again, they're not a very good division either. Um, you get six games. If you're the Cardinals, you get six games against Kansas city. Who's going to bring up the rear of the AL central. Um, this is certainly a, it's a schedule play. It's a, the division is bad and they are the elite in the division um, with the most stability. I think from, you know, from an organization, right. The, the Cardinal organization just always seems to be there as a Dodger fan. Kyle and I know this very well. I mean, I don't know how many times years ago we just defaulted. We're getting beat by the Cardinals. A team that you guys don't want to see in the playoffs. Yeah. Kyle, I was going to, Neil took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, it's not quite, quite on the university of Texas level, but you, you have a deep disdain (laughs) for those St. Louis Cardinals, but do you kind of see where Neil's coming from here in terms of the organizational stability and kind of the, in a not great division first place, almost by default. Yeah, I mean, it's been like the Dodgers the last 10 years because, you know, 
the teams that utilize the farm system the best and don't trade away assets and use them as leverage. Those are the teams that have longevity in this league. Like baseball, you know, it's different because there's no, there's, they don't have those CBAs that basketball and football have. So that's why a lot of people don't like the Dodgers right now because they've kind of turned into the new Yankees. But when you haven't won in 33 years, I mean, you just kind of say, fuck it when you have management in there that's willing to throw down, you know, and bring you Mookie Betts and then go out and get Bauer because Kershaw, big question mark. He's not looking, I hate to say it, but he's not looking very good in spring ball. So it's very damn good. They went and got that, got that arm. Um, But yeah, back to the Cardinals. I mean, the one year, I think in 2010, I thought we were going to beat them in the, in the playoffs. We're up in the ninth inning and, I think Gagne gave up a gave up a two run blast in the bottom of the ninth, and it was just like, oh, here we go again, just more heartbreak from St. Louis. St. Louis, yeah, just unbelievable. Yeah. So Neil, who are you fading in the NL Central? You know, I I gotta fade um, the Chicago Cubs. Um, you know, win total at seventy eight and a half, um, so just under a five hundred team in that division. Um, I struggle with the Cubs, even though they, they did well last season in a shortened season, um, but they lost a lot. Um, and I'm kind of just struggling with the, what is the identity of the Cubs right now. You know, they, they lost four starters from last year, obviously shipping Darvish to the Padres. Quintana left, Lester left, Chatwood's gone. Um, they did get back Davies from the Padres in that trade. Um, but you lost four arms of guys who, you know, can eat up innings. And again, going from that 60 game season up to 162 game season is going to be a, you know, a weird dynamic for a lot of teams to kind of adjust back to. And, you know, I just don't see any, you know, a lot of pitching depth there offensively. I think one of the really unique things is obviously they're led by Bryant Rizzo and Javi Baez. Um, you know, one of the interesting things is all three of those guys are free agents after the end of this year. So mm-hmm. no one signed in, through this season and afterwards. Um, you know, I think you absolutely could see a scenario with the Cubs where they start off, you know, 40 and 50. And right before the trade deadline, they realize that there's nothing to play for this season. And all three of those guys get shipped out, you know, or at least two of the three or, you know, something gets shipped out with guys who are unsigned. Um and then what's left, you know, I'm not sure what after those three, I don't know what's going to be left of that team. So this one is a, is an interesting play, especially if you see that they, you know, that they get off to a slow start um, certainly can be a team that, you know, is going to be sellers at the trade deadline um, because I'm just, again, I lack, I lack what the process is for the Chicago Cubs right now. They're in this weird, you know, I think they're in a position where no sports franchise wants to be, which is, I don't know where we go from here. And I don't think the Chicago Cubs know where they go from here. Um, You know, again, it's tough. The division is not good. They're already pegging them to be an under 500 team. Um, So that's a, that's a tough line, but I think this could be, this could get to, you know, a really bad situation for the Cubs, you know, especially if they, if they come out to a slow start and, and look to be sellers of the, you know, the few offensive assets that they, that they do have on the team, um, you know, towards the trade deadline. And to your point about interleague schedule, the Cubs are going to play an opponent that's projected for 90 wins. 
So you got the white, right. You got the what? You got the White Sox. And we'll talk about them later. I'm a little heartbroken about the White Sox right now. But we'll oh, you and White Sox fans everywhere. All right. <laughs> NL West. NL West. Oh, well, you know, I'm wearing my Dodger hoodie right now. Um, so this one's tough for me. I live in San Diego, um, which is tough as, Dude, as a Dodger fan to, to live down here. But I have to take the Padres over 93 and a half. Um, what they're doing is just, you know, it scares me as a Dodger fan. And Kyle probably is going to agree with me. I mean, they have, they've got a starting five that, that is going to compete with anybody. I think, you know, nicely we get a little bit, Dodger fans can have a little bit of a pass this year because Clevenger's out. I mean, if he wasn't out, this team would be, would be nightmare scary. Um, but you, you know, you get you Darvish, you have Blake Snell, um lament is hurt right now but if he comes back you've got paddock you pick up musgrove from pittsburgh you know you add Mel- melanson into the pen to go along with pomeranz i mean this team can throw the ball and well you know the one thing that san diego has had you know is they've got young arms coming up um so this is a team that pitching wise is they can compete with anybody they can they're going to be right there with the dodgers um and they just, have, I mean, they're just doing a great job as an organization. I think living in San Diego, you see the excitement, you know, of this team. Um, I know it's, you know, partial capacity, but the cheapest ticket you could get for opening day for the Padres is $1,500 right now. And they couldn't give tickets away um, to the Padres, you know, in years past. Um, so I think there's a lot of excitement with this team offensively. You have the Bash brothers with um, Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis. You know, you, you pair them up with, you know, guys like Will Myers and Hosmer and Tommy Pham. Um, they picked up that the Kim from Korea to, to be on the team. Trent Grisham, I, everyone's hot. I've heard, been hearing the name Trent Grisham in San Diego for years now um, as a young kid who's got a lot of pop. Um, this is a scary team. I mean, this is a dot. I think at 93 and a half, this is a Dodger level team, except no one's heard about it, which is why they're priced at 93 and a half versus being priced in the, in the triple digits. Um, you know, you're playing in a conference that outside a division outside of the Dodgers that is not strong at all. Um, it's a, you know, it's a division of the have and have nots. Your interleague play is in a weak AL West also. Um, and there's just a lot of excitement, you know, around this team. And I think um, in a 162 game season, you know, having excitement, having enthusiasm for a team, a team that's young and a team that hasn't done it before. Um, this is where you want. I mean, this is where you want to be. I think this is one of my favorite plays um, in the MLB this season is because you have everyone doing it for everyone on that team doing it for the first time. Right. And if you're trying to, you know, handicap motivation and excitement, you know, this is where you want to be. If we're going to go off in the tangent of the Dodgers, you know, Dodgers talent wise is better than the Padres. Yes. But the Dodgers have done it already. Right. The Dodgers kind of, they, they cleared that hurdle. Um, and I think the Dodgers know then that they can turn it on in a flip of a switch. So you're going to be sitting in the middle of August you know, what team's going to go on a four or five game losing streak. Um, I think the Dodgers will be much more prone to something like that because they know that they have the talent that they can turn it on. Uh, the Padres are in a, I'm going to prove it 
you know, they're going to be battling with the Dodgers. They would love nothing. Padres would love nothing more than to have a better record at the end of the year than the Dodgers um, and win the NL West. So I think because of that, I mean, I don't think 93 and a half for a team of this caliber and what they have is enough. And Kyle, I think you got, you, you got a lot on this too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, Padres is probably my favorite over bet for the season. I couldn't believe they were under a hundred because I know what Neil just said, but I think they stack up to the Dodgers very well. Um, to Neil's point, Dodgers, I was scared last year because the Padres, I was like, fuck, they're making a run. They had some injuries in the playoffs and who knows, man. I mean, I mean, last year, I mean, say what you want with the COVID year, but it was like, come on guys, win it this year. Cause we got an up and comer that's going to give us problems and there's no guarantee we can beat them in the playoffs with those arms, especially. So I'm glad they got it done, but Padres this year, I think, I think they're going to win a hundred games. Uh, if the Dodgers don't stay healthy, they'll win the NL West. Um, I mean, it's Dodgers last year, real season, you know, on pace for like 116 wins, but I mean, it's so different, you know, when you have to mentally prepare for 60 compared to 160, I mean, let's not forget about that. So Dodgers always hit a lull in August past 15 years. They'll get hot right before. And then August happens and then they kind of play sub 500 ball end of the month. They just go on a tear like five out of seven years. It's been their MO. It's insane. So this year that happens. I mean, Padres will be right on their heels. Um, I love them over 93. I think that, I think that price is rising, but as Neil said early, uh, price shop, don't just go Padres 95. Kyle said they're going to win about 100. You just never know. Uh, so try to get it at 93 and a half, 94. Um, but yeah, love the Padres this season. Um, they're they're going to be good. They're going to be fun to watch because they're so young and they're going to be dominant too. On that note, like, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Neil. I just say to Kyle's point, like there's just excitement. I mean, I'm in San Diego and I've never seen so much Padre, Padre billboards and Padre shirts and just, you're going to get fan, you know, so, to some level, you're going to get fans back here in California and it's, it's going to be a very unique dynamic, you know, dynamic having seen Petco park, which is one of the most beautiful stadiums, you know, in all of baseball and an awesome location. Um, you know, it's going to be rowdy. Um, and like I said, so again, when Kyle knows you get in those lulls in August, um, a team that's been there before, you know, will go through that. A team that hasn't and is on, you know, is on top and feeling good about themselves, you know, they're going to be in it to ride it. And, I, you know, Padres are getting in a good spot this year. Concerned as a Dodger fan, but. On that note of excitement, Neil, how do you feel about Tatis? NL MVP. Uh, that's something that I bet a few weeks ago at plus 750. And our book has him down, it looks like, alongside Juan Soto as the co favorite now at five to one. Do you see that being a future worth considering? Yeah, I'm not sure how he's not the favorite. Um, the narrative around it, you know, this team, I mean, I think you look at he leads the, he leads the Padres to the NL West division over the Dodgers. How do you not get, I mean, how, I mean, what an upset, uh, you know, MVPs are a lot, we all know MVPs are a lot about narratives. Um, and, you know, you have a guy who just got paid, you know, one of the richest contracts in, ba- in baseball history. Um, if he lives up to it with the excitement and the attention that he's going to bring, I mean, we all saw the attention that he, he brought to baseball last year 
you know, staring and admiring his grand slams and, and that, I mean, it's just going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I can't see if he has the season and they, he carries the Padres, you know, Washington, I had them, you know, I've got them at the over. I know Juan Soto is capable of carrying the team. Um, but you, you, you could kind of pitch around Juan Soto. There's not, there's not Padre level talent around Juan Soto. Like there's going to be around Tatis. You are going to be forced to go after Tatis because there's just too much talent, you know, behind him. Um, I, I think you'll, he'll probably be protected by Manny Machado um, in the four spot. You know, Hosmer, if Hosmer's in at five, there's not an, e- there's not an easy out. Um, so I think Tatis will certainly have a better chance. He should have more guys, you know, he should have more guys on base ahead of him. You know, if, if Pham and Kim are in the top of the lineup, I, I think there's certainly more opportunity for Tatis to, to really stand out and shine. And the fact that he's not the NL MVP favorite, um, you know, is surprising. I think that's a really good bet. Fading in the NL West, like you said, very top heavy with the Dodgers and the Padres who we just talked about, but who are you going under? So under for this, I, I heard I was going to make somebody mad on this, on this pod, but I'm, I'm taking the giants um, under 74. Um, this is really just sort of a comparison. You know, if you take, two teams uh, between the Giants and the Diamondbacks who have similar win total lines, um, you know, and sort of kind of compare those two teams. I, I think there's less upside with the, with the Giants. Uh, one of the things that sort of stood out when I was, when I was researching is the Giants starting infield going around the horn is 32 years old, 32 years old, 34 years old, and 35 years old, right. Between belt, Tommy LaStella, Crawford and Longoria. Um, they're solid, but I don't know what they're, you know, what, where's their ceiling um, for guys who have just been around a long, long time. Um, again, the weird dynamic going off a of 60 game to 162, you know, you like to have some sort of youth and exuberance um, within an organization. And, you know, I think, I just don't know where the giant, you know, where the giants are. These are all good ball. Pl- I mean, they're good ball players, you know, around the horn. Um but I just don't know, like, what, again, where's your ceiling on a team like that? Pitching, I don't think there's anything special um, about the pitching. You know, Gossman has somewhat revitalized his career, which was nice. I know he was really highly touted when he was with Baltimore um, and underperformed. Coming over to San Francisco has certainly helped him. Um, you know, but Johnny Cueto is 35 years old, and I don't know how he's going to hold up for a 162-game season. Um and I think that's really, I mean, that's really it for pitch, pitching wise. So you're just going to have, you know, they're going to have to piece together a lot um, in that starting rotation. I know they added, they added Alex Wood, um, I think, but Kyle and I know best. I mean, good luck getting 10 starts out of that guy because he always seems to have something going on, a blister or whatever it may be. Um, I, I just think a lot would have to go right. Again, not a huge play. It's a low number um, in a division. That's not great. But if you were going to give me, you know, Arizona at I think there's upside for Arizona they've got some bat you know they've got bats and could tell Marte um and they've got some pit you know they've got some pitching pitchers that are high on um if they're healthy like Merrill they still have bum Gardner um to sort of anchor a young team if you're just going to look at those two because I I can't bet an under on the Dodgers even though it's so high and I can't take Colorado as 
63, I think, um, just because no one wants to go play in, in Coors Field with a team that's built to that and they can just outscore you. So if I had to take pick one to go under between the Giants then and Arizona, I think you have more upside um, with the Diamondbacks with, with some youth and exuberance. So that was the National League. We're going to take a super quick break, come back and talk about the AL. All right, we're back with the American League, and we'll go over to the AL East. Uh, Neil, earlier you said this was a division with four good teams and really with just one bad one in Baltimore. So who do you like to kind of rise to the top and hit their over? So this is one, this is one of my plays this year, and I think you know going back to previous years, I, I love finding a team where the, the organization realizes that you have a really strong young core and they bring on a couple of guys who who have done it before, um, and nothing screams out more than than the Toronto Blue Jays. You know, you've got that core of Biggio, Bichette, and Guerrero, and I love the fact that their dads all play. You know, all played. I think it's really unique that you have a, a scenario like those three um, who are really you know hitting their stride. Um, you know, they'll have they'll need to get a whole season under their belt, their belt this year. You know, but you add a guy like George Springer. Um, from the Astros, again, guy who's been there before, has done it all, right? One World Series. Um, you know, that's a kind of a guy that kind of can keep them in line, you know, keep them on track and keep everybody motivated. Um, you know, the win total is at 86 and a half. I think it's been pushed up to 87 um, in some spots. But, you know, it, this is a really tough division, um, as we alluded to. They Not only that, you've got to play in the NL East, which we already said was the strongest division in baseball. Um, it is a high win total, but I think it's a team, again, if I look at, you know, what the Padres and the excitement around the Padre organization, I think you're going to have that also with Toronto um, because this is a team that's just on the rise, is getting better. They're going to be excited, you know, they're going to be excited traveling, I think, for really the first year for a lot of the, the younger guys, you know, who last year never left the East Coast. So it, you know, going, coming out to California to, you know, to play the angels in Oakland is, is going to be looked at as a, you know, as a positive thing, um, you know, pitching wise, they, they added a couple guys to the rotation, maybe not big name guys, but at least guys that can eat up some innings with Ross Stripling, um, getting Tanner Rourke. They've got already had Ryu who, you know, is a potential Cy Young award winner, um, you know, but this team's going to win because they're going to outscore other people. I mean, this is a team that, you know, I don't think I've heard more about launch angles from it more than, you know, any other team from the, than the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, this is a team that's going to hit a lot of home runs. Um, they're going to be on base a lot. They're going to be fast. They're quick. Um, they're young. And I think there's just a lot of excitement, you know, on it for a team like Toronto um, in that division. Um, for my under, uh, I'm taking the, the Red Sox under 79 and a half. Um, real similar uh, scenario as organization wise, as we talked about with the Cubs. I don't know what Boston's identity is. Um, and you need to win, basically be right around 500 at 79 and a half. I think this is a team who's clearly the fourth best team in, in the division. Um, behind Tampa Bay, behind Toronto, and behind New York. Um, and I'm just not exactly sure what all they're going to do this season. I don't know. Say, you know, Chris Sale is going to be out at least until midseason. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez has already been pushed back. He's not going to start opening day because um, he's dealing with some, some issues. 
you have Nathan Valdi, and then you're really trying to patch together a rotation behind behind you. Um, I don't think that can work in the AL East unless you have the offense to you know supplement. And we talked about Toronto, who you know might be pitching light but has an offense to bat. Um, I just don't see that with with Boston. I, you know, it's J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts. You know, I like Verdugo um, as a pre, you know as a previous Dodger fan, but I just really don't know what else there is outside of those three. Um, it's really going to be patching together a lot behind behind them, and I just don't as an organization. Again, I'm just not really sure what the direction of that organization is. Garrett Richards not moving the needle for you. <laughs> you know, if this was ten years, if this was ten years ago with Garrett Richards, I really liked Garrett Richards when he was on the Angels. Um, I did, but I think I think I even wrote a note. Garrett Richards in the, since 2016 has max max pitched 76 innings in a season. Wow. I mean, for whatever reason, he just can't stay healthy. He just can't stay healthy. I mean, and this is a guy. This is a guy who can throw. Um, you know, we saw that when he was on the angels and, you know, we saw glimpses of it, you know, the past couple of years when he, he was in San Diego. Um, yes, if he can, then he can be a really good pitcher. If he can stay healthy, I'm not going to bank on that. Even if it is, you know, what are the chances that you're going to get 150 innings out of him? Um, I think are super slim, you know, and there is a difference, you know, getting to, to pitch in San Diego in that ballpark versus now going to the AL East and, and facing that the offenses that you're going to face, you know, day in and day out. Such a shame. The injuries guy had such a promising career. It's, it's too bad. He really did. Yep. AL central. You mentioned earlier that you didn't think this was a particularly strong division. Again, might be some, some quality there at the top, but after that, it, it, it really gets poor, but who do you like to go over here? So this is one sort of breaks my heart because I do already have a Chicago White Sox ticket um, over 89 sitting in my pocket, um, which two days ago, you know, Chicago lost Eloy Jimenez, um, one of their, you know, young players, big bat guy, um, because I, I believe he, he tore a pectoral muscle running into a wall, yep. chasing down a fly ball in preseason. I mean, oh. that's just got to be the... That's just got to be the worst, the worst way to go out. Um, he's Demoralizing. Lose, yeah, he's going to lose four to five months on a play that, you know, should never have been made or, you know, attempted. Um, so that hurts a lot. And I do think that he alone has enough for me to move the needle and move from a Chicago, from my Chicago White Sox total um, to look at the Minnesota Twins now. Um, the rotation, you know, this was tough for me trying to decide between the two. Um to begin with, I think the loss of Eloy is, is big enough for as long as it's going to be um, to look at the Twins now. Um, the rotation is really formidable. They pick up a J.A. Happ to go along with, you know, Kenton Maeda and Berrios and Pineda coming back for a full season, hopefully. Um, so the rotation is really solid. Offensively, you know, it's Donaldson and it's Sano that is going to anchor, you know, the middle of the lineup. You add guys like Buxton and Polanco. You know, there's again, I would say this is more of a your division is your division is so weak. Your interleague play with the NL Central, which we already talked about is weak. This is one of those. It's really more of a play on due to your 
you know, the lack of scheduled strength versus necessarily how good this team is, right? You put Minnesota into the AL East and this number doesn't come close to 89. Um, it's simply a matter of you, there are two haves and there are two have nots. I think it's, it's Minnesota and it's Chicago clearly, you know, above, um, I don't hate the, the White Sox ticket that's in my pocket, but certainly would like it if, if Eloy was there. Um, but I'm happy to have that. I will be happy to have Minnesota at an over 89. And your under team in this relatively not very impressive AL Central. Yeah, uh, it's tough. I, I don't think there's any value in a Cleveland under. I think it's priced about right as a 500 team. They're the third best team. Um, in the division so a 500 line is seems adequate if then you look at KC and Detroit um, I I'm going to go K, lean KC in the under simply because you're getting 73 wins for KC you're getting 68 wins for Detroit I don't see a whole lot of you know variance in between what both teams are bringing you know to the table day in and day out they're both teams are young both teams are, you know, figuring it out. Both teams are really anchored. Kansas City's going to have one name guy, Salvador Perez, that anyone's heard of. You know, Detroit's got Miguel Cabrera still. There could be a little bit of excitement. I think Cabrera's got some milestone stuff coming up this season that he could that he could get to with three thousand hits. Um, but I, yeah, there's not much to talk about. No one's going to, you know, no one's going to pay attention to these two teams. But getting an extra five wins to take the under on Kansas City. I would lean under Kansas City. Finally, we'll go out west. We'll kind of end the show on the AL West. Um, your over team, and you know, this surprise that you talked about milestone things a little bit. I think uh, I think this guy's wife maybe posted that it was going to be his last season, something like that. No one really knows, but uh, you like, you know, I'm a little dubious of this one because this is just the the perennial underachiever. But tell us, tell me why you like the Angels to go over. Yeah, I, I, I've cashed Angel under tickets for, for years now. Um, you know, they always get more hype than, than I think that they warrant. Um, so this is a little bit about going out on a limb, uh, taking the Angels over this year. You know, it, you know, a Quinta, I got the line 83 and a half wins. So, you know, you're better than a 500 team. Um, your div the division is not good. I don't think there's a team in the division that got better. Um, and, you know, it, I think this is going to be your, you know, Mike Trout gets to go to the playoffs. You have, you know, Otani for a whole season, you know, they picked up, you know, people forget, I think they picked up Rendon because he came in after and then they had the COVID year, but you've got a very formidable, you know, top four where you have David Fletcher, Otani, then hitting hopefully Mike Trout's in that three hole. And then you have Rendon. I mean, that's as formidable of a top four, that you're going to find, you know, in that division. I think that's right up there with what the Astros are going to throw out at you. Um, you know, and then you have, you know, they picked up Jose Iglesias, which is a guy I, I really like. I'm at shortstop. Um, and I think it's one of those things, if you can get, if you can get anything remaining out of Albert Pujols, which Matt, I think is who you were alluding to. Um, if you can get anything out of Pujols, if you can get anything out of Dexter Fowler or Justin Upton, um, you know, guys who have, who have, had you know decent careers you know if they can revitalize to something i think there's there's potential there um but really this is around to me the angels was around pitching they didn't go out and they don't have a they don't have an ace 
but they went out and they got some guys that, you know, in a 162 game season, which they knew that they didn't have going into this year, some guys that can eat up some innings, you know, they added to Jose Quintana, they got Alex Cobb to go along with, you know, Andrew Heaney, who I've always been a big fan of Dylan Bundy, you know, Berea, who's 24 and just, you know, through was a rocket last year. Um, I think can have a really good, good year with them. Um, I think there's just a little bit of depth Again, it's, it's not a high total for a division. That's not very good. You know, we talked about interleague play. I don't love that. They have to play the Dodgers for six games. Um, but I, they always play the Dodgers. You know, they obviously both teams are going to be up for it. The angels are certainly going to be up to play the Dodgers. I remember, I think two years ago when I had this happen to me and I had an angels ticket, it, the under ticket, it cashed and they went five and one against the Dodgers. Um, you know, the, one of the reasons I like the Angels unders because they have to play the Dodgers, but they do play the Dodgers well. Um, and I, I might be going a little, a little out on a limb, but I think this is the year that I, I certainly can't bet the Angels and the under. I think that this is the year they, they may pull it all together. Kyle, the Angels are our local team. Do you you know, do you agree with Neil? This is the right time to pivot, like the value and that the almost the hate against them has gone too far. And now it's a good time to pivot to the over. Or are you still a little skeptical because this team always seems to find a way to stub its toe and underachieve? Well, if you remember last July when the season was underway and I was going, yeah, I was going all in on the Dodgers futures and, you know, telling you about the, my baby Marlins. I was like, dude, I'm feeling the angels. And you're like, dude, don't. They got no pitching, but I, it was kind of like that same limb. It was just like, I'm not a fan, but as I've, I, I mean, as a kid, I used to hate them because, you know, just bleed blue kind of thing. But now obviously living in Orange County my whole life, I just kind of want to see them do well. I like it better when they're in the playoffs, when they're, you know, hunting for something. It's just kind of more fun in this area. Kind of what Neil was saying with the Padres in San Diego. It's just fun to kind of be around, you know, a team other than the Lakers who you know bring some excitement to your home base so I was looking at it you know yesterday and I you know text Neil's like hey Angel's over really really man I want to get behind this because it's just like yeah like I want to I want to cheer for that it's kind of like you know why betting overs and games are square because it's just like you're just cheering for for points you're just like yeah 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 it's kind of like the same I think with this Angel's bet it's just gonna be like come on guys like 84 wins could you could sneak into that wild card spot and I, everything Neil said, I mean, it's it. Again, I'm not an Angel fan, but it got me excited. I'm like, yeah, I think I think they can do it. Um, I do want to say, like, I don't want to sleep on Houston. I mean, they looked terrible the first 40 games last year, and then they just went on that run. And I think I think that 60 game COVID shit did a lot of mental things with some teams. So I don't know. I I'm not going to stay. You know, they're definitely going over because Neil has them going under, but um. You know, I, I'm just saying, don't don't sleep on Houston. As Neil said, they have that; they still have great great hitting in there. Um, but you know, pitching is probably going to be their Achilles' heel this year. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, and you could speak to this, Neil. I think this Houston under is kind of sharp. I mean, public perception is going to be that Houston is the class of the division. But like you said earlier, none of these teams really did a whole lot to improve. So, why is this the right time to expect Houston to kind of come back to the pack a little bit? You know, I, I think for Houston this year, you know, they, they the biggest takeaway I had with Houston is they don't have the pitching that they that they had in their World Series runs, right? When you were able to throw out 
Verlander, Cole, and Greinke, you know, we were, as a Dodger fan, we know we, you know, we were toast. Um, you know, that was as formidable as it gets. Where you only have one guy of that trio that's left, right? Verlander's on the shelf. You know, he could come back around, you know, the all-star break. Um, but you're left with Zach Grinky. Um, and, you know, Zach Grinky is 37 years old. He had a 4.0 ERA last season in a shortened year. Um, I'm not sure, you know, what left he had, you know, what left he has, um, he's, you know, should be solid this year. Um, but that scares me that your ACE, you know, your ACE is 37 years old. You know, we talked about, you know, Kyle talked about alluded to Clayton Kernshaw, um, who's, you know, no spring checking anymore, but he's younger than Grinky is and you know that he's, that he's struggling. So it, it concerns me that you have a guy who, you know, your, your staff's going to be anchored by someone who's 37 and, you know, is coming off a not great year last year. Um, I don't think guys, you know, at that age, they don't, you know, they don't bounce back very quickly. Um, And then you have, you know, offensively, absolutely. We talked about, you know, you're going to have a top four that, you know, is going to be right there with, with the angels in that division when you get Bregman and you get, uh, Altuve, Correa, and and Jordan, you know, offensively they're going to be as good as you know as any team probably in baseball with those four. Um, this is really just a play, you know, sort of against their pitching. And you know, one of the things I was thinking about with with Houston, um, you know, I don't think people are going to forget about this whole you know World Series cheating scandals. I haven't as a Dodger fan. I think the Astros got very lucky last season that they didn't have fans, that there were no fans in the stands. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a really weird dynamic this year when Astros go back out on the road um, and they go visit places and people are going to remember and you're going to have, you know, we saw what MLB players did to them last year. I mean, I think they had more hit by pitchers than any other team. Um, and that's just internally within, you know, baseball pitchers, um, kind of coming back to them, I, you know, they only got to see the A or the AL East or sorry, the AL West um, and the NL West, you know, they still need to go play the central. They still need to go play the East. Uh, they still need to go play some of the divisions that haven't seen them since this happened. Um, I don't think, I don't think people forget. I certainly, when fans get in the stands, they're not going to forget. Um, I think that's going to just be a weird, you know, a weird dynamic for a team, you know, that's supposed to win 88 and a half games, um, you know, so they're pricing in a lot of good to happen. Um, they're certainly offensively are going to be talented. I question the pitching this year. Um, and I think, you know, they're, they're going to be, I think they're a team that's going to be hurt by fans in the stands this year. Good stuff. Kyle, any, any big takeaways? I mean, it's just exciting for me to, talk baseball and be excited about baseball. I mean, I think we went over a lot of things here, um, but man, yeah, it, it's crazy. What, it, what are we five days away from opening day now, April 1st? And you no, know, it's, it's kind of nice. You know, we finally are kind of back to a little bit of normal, just with the sense of a league's actually going when they usually do 162 games. It's not shortened. There's going to be fans. I'm getting hit up by the Padres and Dodgers almost on the daily to get some type of season ticket package. And 
<laughs> probably rather do it with San Diego because it's just a it's, it's a more fun area to be around, you know, to to tailgate and you know it's easy. Yeah. To, LA, LA is a mess. I'm a huge Dodger fan, but I hate going to games there as I get older. I finally understand where my dad was coming from. It's a nightmare to get out of that stadium. Yeah. Instead, even getting into it, if you're if you're waiting till the last minute, you're missing first pitch for sure. It's just a disaster. But man, a lot of a lot of good takes here. Um, you know, one last thing. One last thing. One thing I forgot to mention on the going back to the Angels. Just to, I'm trying to swing Kyle to to hop on board the angel train this year um, already won it. <laughs> there you go. is, you know, shortened season last year, 2020 angels had 14 blown saves. They led baseball in blown saves, right? Their, their, their biggest pickup was they went out and they picked up Iglesias um, from Cincinnati closer who had, you know, 2.8 ERA last season, um, real solid closer. So their big, that was their biggest deficiency that they had. I think they rectified it in a very good way. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you blow 14 games in in a in a 60 game season. I mean, that's astronomical to me last year. So they them able to right size that piece of it um, was was really the tipping point for me to take to take the Angels over. Angel fans yeah. hope so. Can we get Mike Trout in the playoffs? For goodness sakes, man. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I, mean, I think at this point that's what I'm rooting for. He's just he's too good of a player to not see the playoffs. That's crazy. Bring yeah. him, to, bring him to LA, the real LA. Jesus. <laughs> All right, Neil, you are awesome. Hopefully, this was a nice break for you while you try to figure out what to do with uh, Deshaun Watson in our dynasty league. Yikes. Uh, he. he. Uh, all my all my trade proposals that I was getting for him to you know three weeks ago have have all have all dwindled. I feel like they all got withdrawn. Maybe they all got with they all got withdrawn, and I'm left with second and third round pick offers. Oh hey, god! Hey, don't forget, I'll give you the second and the third and that and that forty dollars on the table for a little extra something something. <laughs> oh my god! I, all right. Well, we appreciate everyone listening. Hopefully these, these win totals cash for you. Neil, we'll have to do like maybe a mid-season check-in to see kind of how these are doing, maybe around the all-star break or something. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah, I think that absolutely. would be, that would be awesome. And then of course we'll do NFL win totals with Neil after the draft and after those come out and all that good stuff. So, all right. For Neil, thanks again for coming on bucket boy for Kmart. Uh, we're going to call it a pod and Kyle, Chris isn't here, but so I guess I'll say it just remember If you decide to bet on poop, you might get a poopy result.